0: Are you looking for someone to help fix your child? Well, before you answer, fixing a child usually also means fixing the parents, fixing the environment, fixing the relationships. So perhaps the better question would be, are you willing to invest the time, effort, and intentionality it'll take to keep your child and your family from becoming damaged goods in the first place? That's gonna require some self-reflection, some divine intervention, and intentionality on your part. Because it's always harder, if not impossible, to fix the what when we neglect to find out the why behind our children's damaged emotions, their values, attitudes, and actions. Addressing the importance of the why. That's today on License to Parent. Hello and welcome once again to License to Parent, the radio outreach of Shepherds Hill Academy. Shepherds Hill is a year-long, Christ-centered residential program for herding teens and by extension for their families. Now, we've been working on the front lines with families for 20 years now and under the direction of the founder and director of Shepherds Hill and the host of our program, Trace Embry. And, Trace, we had a licensed to Parent meeting yesterday, in fact, where we talked about the focus of this program and the fact that, well, some of our listeners have felt that the program might be moving in more of a social or cultural or, for that matter, even a political direction in recent times. Share your thoughts on that.
1: Yeah, well, Rich, there's an old saying, an ounce of prevention's with a pound of cure. Uh, this broadcast is designed to get parents ahead of the curve and, and uh, negate the, the need to, quote, get fixed. Uh, Our Licensed Parent tagline has always been insight for today's culture because, as we often say, today's insane culture is the other parent. The problem is that too many parents seem to be okay with it, but it's training our kids in virtually everything antithetical to a biblical worldview and in virtually everything we don't want them to be exposed to or engaged in. So here's why it seems like we're, we're more cultural and political lately. Our culture is morally disintegrating so fast and new and more appalling ideas are emerging so fast that not to keep up with them would be derelict because these things are adversely affecting the way our kids think and act and process information. It's emotional child abuse. And in a lot of cases, it's physical child abuse. But it's affecting too many adults in the very same way or at least similar way to the point that the supposed adults who are actually running our government are now making many of these appalling ideas the law of the land. Okay, unpack that a little bit more here. Now, what are some of the appalling ideas that you're finding most troubling these days? Well, how about boys using our girls' bathrooms and showers? Biological young men cheating our daughters out of possible sports scholarships. Unnecessarily guilting our kids into thinking they're bigots and racists and genetically flawed because of their skin color. I mean, give me a snake and break here. And with digital life moving us along at the speed of light... Parents are now more than ever desperately looking for a quick fix, and quick fixes are a big reason why one out of 10 kids will be put on some kind of behavior med by the time they're 18 years old. That's a epidemic, Rich. Mm. Uh, the, the truth is uh, there are no quick fixes, okay? Uh, not from, from this world's uh, issues anyway. Uh, you, you don't fix overnight what took 13, 15, or, you know, or, or more years to poison and develop, and, and certainly not without knowing why and how you drank the poison in the first place. Uh, or that it's even poison at all. Too many Christian American parents have spent their lives taking cues from the pop cultural gurus of secular mental health rather than the word of God. And sadder yet, too many Christian pastors and mental health care workers have too. Proverbs 14, 12. There's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. And Rich, if you always do what you have always done, you'll always get what you always got. Right. And consequently, we now have an inordinate number of parents who just don't seem to have a problem with Junior's myriad issues. They write them off as just part of growing up. Some are so consumed and addicted to their own vices, legal and illegal, that they'll simply numb to their child's issues. And so we have to quit acting woke and wake up and recognize how and why we actually got to this place and why it's all so terribly dangerous. And then we have to give the time, attention, and intentionality required to truly fix things and keep them fixed. If you're always looking for a quick fix or a warm fuzzy, folks, you've turned to the wrong place. At Licensed A Parent, we're offering you long-term solutions to deeply rooted issues. Issues that have now become systemic in American life. And that's the most deceptive part of this whole problem. We've normalized the abnormal. Is it normal for an alcoholic to be drunk? Well, of course. But is it normal to be an alcoholic? Of course not.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Licensed A Parent is not a one-size-fits-all program. We give you biblical principles and scientific truths for raising healthy kids but only you are going to know how to best apply it to all the specific needs of your child. We're not in your homes to point out all the exceptions that accompany that one-size-fits-all approach. This is where you'll have to put some of your own skin in the game if you're truly going to find lasting solutions. Right. And, and we can lead you to the barn, folks, but you will have to chew up the wheat and spit out the sticks. And Mm -hmm. I think today's guest might concur with this approach.
0: Well, I think he might indeed. But before I introduce him, I do want to follow up on your comment just a moment ago that there is no quick fix to a problem that took, say, 13 to 15 years to develop. Shepherds Hill Academy is a program that lasts one year minimum. Mm -hmm. And when kids are here, they're not out in culture. They're completely unplugged. They're out in nature. They're working with their hands. They're learning about God's redemption and about his biblical truths. But some might say, well, yeah, that's great, but once they get back home, they're going to go right back to their old ways. Mm -hmm.
1: That's not what you're seeing, though, is it? No, we're not seeing that. Uh, But we are seeing it where the parents aren't buying in. Mm -hmm. Uh, I tell them, you need to take a little bit of Shepherd's Hill home with you. I mean, you're going to have to uh, make some major changes in your approach to things that you think are, you know, innocuous – and they're not willing to do it. And the biggest thing is there isn't a minor that should possess unfettered access to their own smartphone. That's, I'll just go ahead and say it. It's, it's child abuse. And no one sees it as such because it's become so systemic in American culture. But again, if you can't pull the lever on a slot machine until you're 21 years old, 21, not 18, uh, because of the addictive nature of that device, why are we giving 24-7, 365 access to something way worse and more addictive than a slot machine to our little kids. That's insanity, Rich. Any way you slice it. Yeah, and
0: as we look through the house, I mean, unfettered access to the Internet in any way and unsupervised is is the big problem. And today's broad-range entertainment is less entertaining and more vice-filled than than ever.
1: Yeah, we can talk about Showtime and HBO and, and, and go yep. on, but the smartphone is the thing that the kids are carrying with them twenty four sure. seven. That's why I keep harping on it.
0: That's the most unfettered access we could find. Well, let me, without further ado, bring today's guest into the conversation. He's been standing by quietly, which is very polite, but he does have a lot to say on this subject, and we're anxious to hear from him. Israel Wayne is an author and a conference speaker who has a passion for defending the Christian faith and promoting a biblical worldview. As do we. Uh, He's the author of a number of books on homeschooling and parenting, including one that we've asked him to talk with us about today called Raising Them Up, Parenting for Christians. Uh, He's also the site editor for ChristianWorldview.net, and he's the director of Family Renewal at FamilyRenewal.org. And to round out his day, Israel and his wife, Brooke, are currently raising their 11 children in southwest Michigan. How he has time to be on our program, I'm not sure. (laughs)
1: <laughs> well, congratulations, Israel, and welcome back to
0: License Apparent. Parent. Hey, it's great to be back on your show. Yeah, it's been a while. We're, we're always uh, excited to talk to you. All of your books are great, and I would uh, encourage our listeners to check them all out at uh, familyrenewal.org.
1: Well, listen, I, I was so refreshed just reading the introduction to your book uh, because the timing was perfect to affirm so much of what we share here on License Apparent Parent, what we actually implemented at Shepherd's Hill Academy. And this is a book of hard things to
2: hear and even harder things parents to do, is it not? Yeah, it really is. I think in some ways, the emphasis that I begin my book with is one that you guys uh, speak about quite a bit, and that's just the importance of parents taking responsibility to be the parent. I I think there are so many cases where even good Christian parents are not really taking full responsibility for raising their own children. Um, and and that 's for you know done for a couple of reasons I think uh one of which is that there 's a great desire that some people have to be their child 's buddy mm-hmm. and they want so bad to be their child 's buddy that they forget to be the parent they forget to be the authority figure. That, that's one major problem. Uh, another is, of course, as you know, so many parents are just so busy that they seek to delegate out the responsibility of daycare for their children, of education of their children, of just the training and discipleship of their children to anything other than themselves. You know, whether that's uh, an institution, whether it's a church, whether it's a relative, whether it's a, a video game, you know, it's just like anything that will occupy the child, that's not me and and so i start off really with that premise that you know if we want to see things change what what you were saying trace about the culture if we want to see things change in the culture Culture is made up of individuals and, and, and really families. And so we're going to have to make systemic changes in the way that we do family life if we want to see anything change on a culture level. No doubt
1: about it. But do you think, you know, you mentioned, you know, be the parent. I think there's even something in your book about, you know, a, a whole chapter, be, be the parent. Do you think enough parents, even Christian parents, know what it really means to
2: be the parent? No, I really don't. I mean, I think for one thing, uh, parents have been really taught that they're not supposed to be the disciplinary and they're not supposed to be the authority figure because some psychologists have said, well, this will crush your child's sense of uh, self-awareness or their individuality or whatever. And so the, many parents have this desire that they want to be the the friend or the buddy to their, their toddler, And other parents sometimes even look at their three, four-year-old as being an equal and they relate to them on that level. And and they feel like that's good parenting. They feel like that that I'm just respecting my child uh, as an equal human being. Well, certainly they're an equal human being, but they lack wisdom, they lack discernment. Uh, You know, I sometimes say if you just left a four-year-old to decide for themselves what they would eat for breakfast, um, man, they'd be eating chocolate cupcakes every day for breakfast because they don't know what's best for them. And that's why God gives children to parents, because parents are the ones who are supposed to guide that those youngsters and, and make decisions for them, especially in the young years. And what I have found, you know, as a dad of 11, my oldest is 21 so we've just officially gone into that complete life launch stage, you know, where we've got mm-hmm. our oldest one is is a, a legal adult now, uh, and our youngest is is just three months. So you know we've got a whole bunch of uh, <laughs> children uh, in the sandwiched into that uh, the you know that small it. space. Uh, but but the thing that I've learned is that if you put in the work on the on the front end when they're really young, man, you just don't have to deal with so much relational conflict when they're in the teen years but when you neglect that in the early years you reap the harvest of that in the teen years and rolling that back as you guys well know and speak about frequently is no easy task
1: yeah. well i think there's an argument to be made that once you have so many kids it almost becomes easier because they help right or they should be helping with the other kids and with the chores around the house and becomes a you know a team effort as opposed to mom and dad doing everything, including going off to work while junior plays video games all day or, or surfs the internet. Um, Yeah. Why should these things really be all that hard for the parent that is claiming to be a believer and following the same principles should be as
2: you and I uh, have read out of scripture. Why should it be all that hard? Well, the fact is that most evangelical Christians don't have a biblical theology of family and parenting. Um, Most of them are getting their worldview about parenting from the ideological descendants of Doctor Spock—they're—they're uh, they're getting their parenting advice from the View, you know. Doctor Oprah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they are not—they're not drawing deep from the well of divine revelation and holy scripture. They are t- t- tapping into the blog sphere. They're—they're they're listening to all the opinions on social media. Uh, they kind of tap into the the cultural trends. What, what are most of the people my age doing? You know, What are other millennials doing and raising their children? And that's what I see happening. And so I always say that we're not supposed to be driven by our experience, which is I was raised this way, so I'll raise my children this way, because that can really be flawed. And we also shouldn't be driven predominantly by culture, because as you pointed out in the intro here, culture is – frequently wrong. I mean, increasingly, culture is usually wrong. And so, if that's our metric, and we're going to say we just go by what culture does, uh, we're going to be in trouble most of the time. Uh, Instead of being driven by experience and culture, we really should be driven by theology. And I think when I say that, people think, oh, well, But there's not really a biblical theology of family life or marriage or parenting. The Bible doesn't speak to those issues. The Bible speaks to eternal salvation and spiritual matters like, you know, how can I go to heaven when I die? And so I need the Bible for that for my, my, you know, to save my personal little soul. But God doesn't really speak to this. We have to look to, you know, secular sources uh, in the same way that we would if we were studying auto mechanics or electrical engineering. I think they feel like, well, that's kind of how it is with relationships and family life. And that's not my perspective. I, I think they're they're wrong about that. I think God has spoken rather uh, uh, rather conclusively on these issues.
1: Yeah, and that's a premise that we have to take by faith. But I think, I think, a, a, but they're putting faith in in other things, like people with a lot of letters behind their names. But... Um, the last thing most parents want to hear from another person is unsolicited counsel on how to raise their kids. Why are so many of these parents averse, even resentful, to hearing a hard word, even when it's blatantly apropos
2: and given in a spirit of love, truth, and wisdom? What, 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 I guess, it's, is it too personal? What, what's going on here? I think in most cases, parents really want their children to validate them, and their children are an extension of them, not just a reflection, but an extension and so, you know, when, when you hear people talk about their children, their grandchildren, you know, usually hear about, oh, they went to Harvard and they graduated. And uh, now they have this job where they're making $400,000 a minute. And, you know, and so, well, why are you telling me that? Like, why do I need to know that information? Well, what that does is that's making the parent look good. It's making the grandparent look good. And so there's this immense amount of pressure uh, to look good on the outside um, but not always a lot of emphasis on really what's going on in the heart of that child and, and is that child really okay on the inside and so when someone comes with a correction and says hey uh, your child just did this or i i see this attitude in your child people get really defensive because they innately you know i think all of us we innately want to Uh, assume that we're doing a great job and that we're good parents and so forth, but I I think there's a a sense in which looking good is more of a priority for most parents than actually caring about the, the well-being and the soul of their child.
0: Our guest today on License to Parent is Israel Wayne, director of Family Renewal and author of the book we're discussing, Raising Them Up, Parenting for Christians. You can learn more about Israel's ministry and find his books at familyrenewal.org. And we're going to take a quick break here on License to Parent, but we'll be back in just a moment to continue our conversation about raising our kids to live life through the lens of a biblical worldview and uh, to be parents looking through that same lens as well. We'll be right back with more on License to Parent.
3: Shepherds Hill Academy, a year-long Christ-centered residential program for teens in crisis, is celebrating 20 years of ministry. There have been many distractions in our work through the years as a result of a four-lane highway that divided our land. As a result, plans are underway to develop a whole new campus designed to improve our students' therapeutic experience away from the highway noise, along with up-to-date infrastructure and staff offices, all to help smooth out the day-to-day operations. The five-year, two-phase plan will begin with a new dining hall to be completed by the end of the year, followed by two new school buildings, also containing a new studio for licensed to parent. Please consider partnering with us, Building Together, a new and improved Shepherds Hill Academy. Learn more and make your gift today. ShepherdsHillAcademy.org slash Building Together. That's ShepherdsHillAcademy.org slash Building Together. And thanks for helping us provide healing to teens in crisis. Your children are teens now. They're growing up and gaining independence. That's kind of the point of parenting,
0: isn't it? You're raising future responsible adults, but they're not responsible adults yet. They may be able to do things on their own, but you still want to be able to contact them and you want to equip them for success. So you decide to get them a smartphone. But why a smartphone? For most people, that means 24/7 access to everything on the planet. And that's not wise, nor is it healthy. Digital addiction is prevalent these days. In fact, we see teens of all ages dealing with mental health and behavioral issues rooted in overuse of technology. Issues that affect health, wellness, ability to focus, performance in academics, and more. That's why at License to Parent, we want you to choose a Wise phone alternative instead of a smartphone. More information is available at slash Wise phone. We're talking today with Israel Wayne, author of the book Raising Them Up, Parenting for Christians, on today's edition of License to Parent. Uh, Incidentally, you can find that book, if you'd like to get a copy, at familyrenewal.org. And Israel and Trace, you are both men who talk about the importance of living life Uh, through the perspective of a biblical worldview. And Trace, I know that that's what we want to instill in kids at Shepherds Hill Academy uh, and and families in general. Israel, let me get you to comment on this, because I know you've got a chapter called Gospel-Centered Parenting, which I think speaks to this various issue. What does
2: it mean to be a Gospel-Centered parent, or what does it mean to parent from a biblical worldview? On a practical level, I've shifted the way that I parent over the years from when my oldest children were little. I, I think a lot of us do that. And that's a good thing. You know, you learn as you grow and you, you learn from your mistakes. But one of the things that I did just intuitively um, without even really thinking much about it was when my children would do something wrong, when they would do something bad, um, I would discipline them by saying, hey, you just took that toy from your brother and then pushed him. Uh, that was unkind. That wasn't nice. You need to give the toy back to your brother. Uh, tell your brother you're sorry. Um, you know, you you need to stop doing that. Uh, play nice together. And so, essentially, my message to my children was: um, stop doing that bad thing. Uh, start doing this good thing. And boy, that sounds like good parenting. And on one level, you know, it's nothing inherently wrong with that. But as I've gotten older as a parent, I've noticed that it's very easy for us sometimes to parent in a behavioristic way, which is really just training our children to behavior. Uh, we can train our children in the same way that you train a dog, for example, to respond to voice commands and whistles and hand signals and whatever. And and the problem with that is that that kind of behavioristic method of parenting works, it actually works, that's a problem with it, uh, for a long time until it doesn't. And then when they get to a certain age where you're not able to uh, use a control in the same way, where they're 15, 16 years old, they're bigger than you, uh, that, that kind of method isn't going to work anymore, and then all of a sudden – you know, all bets are off. And now you have a full-blown rebellion on your hands and it hits a lot of parents blindsided because they think, well, I never had this problem before and now all of a sudden I'm having all these behavior issues. And I think part of the issue is we never really got to the heart of the child. So what I've tried to do as I've gotten older and more mature as a parent is not merely address the behavior of the child, but to try to get to the heart behind the behavior and to get to the motives of why were you Mm. doing what you were doing but then to take it even one layer deeper. And so what I've learned how to do is in a moment like that, where I need to correct or discipline my children, rather than telling them merely stop doing this bad thing, start doing this good thing. What I've done is seen that as a teaching moment to really point them to the most important thing that they need in their life. And that's, that's Christ. And so, In a practical way, how I might respond to that now would be to say, hey, you just grabbed that toy from your brother and you pushed him. What does that say about how you view your brother? What what does that say about how you view yourself? And so I'll explain how what's going on inside of you is that you value yourself and what you want more than you value your brother and you're putting yourself above your brother. Well, what is that? That's selfishness. And it's also pride. Well, what is selfishness and pride? Those things are sins. They are endemic to all of us. We're, we're all born with them. Uh, you you know, you got that from your dad. I was born that way too. We all come out of the womb, just loving ourselves and wanting to promote ourselves and put ourselves forward, at, even at the expense of other people. But the problem is the Bible calls that a sin. And and. You know, the Bible says that it's because of that kind of sin in you and in me that Christ had to die. Jesus had to go to the cross and suffer and die to pay for that kind of sin in us. And so, when we see that in ourselves, what we should do is say, you know what, I don't want to be like that. I don't want to respond in a way that, that makes me be like the king of my life. I want Jesus to be the king of my life. And so, it gives me an opportunity to point them to the gospel message and to tell them, not merely, you need to stop doing bad things and start doing good things, but to say, when you see that creep up in your life, what you need to do is to turn to Jesus and ask Jesus to rescue you from yourself. And, And that's what I do as a parent, you know, because I sin. And when I find that in myself and I see that selfishness and that pride, well, what do I need to do? Do I I need to beat myself up and say, oh, I'm a terrible person? No, I need to run to Jesus. And I need to say, Jesus, I need you to rescue me from myself. And so, you know, it's been said, an evangelist said it this way, that Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people live. Hmm. And so my child's great need is not merely to learn how to be good and to have good performance and good behavior, but to truly have the heart renewed by the Holy Spirit through a relationship with Jesus Christ. So as I've gotten older, I've tried to make sure that I use those training moments to continually point them back to the cross, point them back to Christ, because that's their ultimate need. And then once they have that relationship with Jesus and they've been renewed by the Holy Spirit, now all of a sudden they've got something working on the inside of them to give them the will Mm. to respond in the right way. As opposed to just external restraint. Yeah.
1: Israel, I'd love to continue this conversation. Is it possible that we can get you back and and, uh, follow up a little bit more with this? Absolutely. I'd love to. Very good. Awesome.
0: Well, uh, if you have been blessed by today's program, let me encourage you to pick up the book. Uh, Our guest is Israel Wayne. He's the director of Family Renewal and author of the book, Raising Them Up, Parenting for Christians. You can learn more about both his ministry and find his books at familyrenewal.org. Israel, thanks for being with us today. Thank you, guys. Well, I mentioned Israel's book as being a great resource, and it certainly is. But let me take a moment now before we wrap up to talk about a resource that a lot of parents turn to when they're at the end of their rope. And if this is you or someone you know, please pay attention. Parenting isn't for wimps. You know that. It's not easy. But if you're at the point where you don't know where to turn and your teen is fighting back every step of the way, we want you to know that help is available. Now, Licensed to Parent is just one part of the bigger ministry called Shepherd's Hill Academy. We really do have kids who come to stay here for an entire year, living here, going to school here, working with licensed counselors here, and getting their lives turned around. Now, we work not only with the kids, but also with the entire families. If you don't know where to turn and you're wondering if a residential program might be what you need or what your teen needs, please reach out to us. You'll find a link to Shepherd's Hill on our website, LicensedToParent.org. And from there, you'll see how to contact our office to find out more about the program. Help is available, but you do have to take that first step. Now, if you're not a parent of a troubled teen, let me ask a favor. Would you be willing to help change the life of one? Kids who come here with one foot in jail and the other in the grave leave here changing the world for Christ. In fact, we heard from a person recently who wrote to thank us for the work that we had done in the life of a young man who had since gone on to become a youth pastor, a husband and a father. And his life had so impacted this person that they were compelled to write and to thank us. Your gift to our ministry in any amount can change one life at Shepherds Hill. And when you do that, you change many lives down the line. So I'm inviting you to join us and become a ministry partner of License to Parent and Shepherds Hill Academy. It really is life-changing. You can donate quickly and easily by going to our website, LicensedtoParent.org, and clicking the Donate button at the top of the page. And thanks. Our guest coordinator on License to Parent is Daniel Fazzina. Our technical producer is Carl Peets. For Trace Embry, I'm Rich Roslin, inviting you back again next time for part two of our conversation with Israel Wayne and for another chance to renew
1: your License to Parent. And remember, folks, if you don't train your children, somebody else will. God bless you. We'll see you next time.